Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows. Five, four, three, two, one. Cue music. This is Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. A combination of documentary, drama, history and the French language on this edition of Movies First as we explore the world of Francophonia. Alex First, greetings. Good day. What more could you ask for? A pretty special French film. I mean, it really is a bit unusual. It's rated M in Australia. It's 85 minutes in length. I, I would say to you that confusion reigns supreme. It's a mishmash of a documentary about the importance of the Louvre and historic art. So imagine this. You're combining black and white and sepia stills with archival footage and reenactments of what might have happened when the Germans invaded France. And earlier, when Napoleon ordered construction of the world's best-known museum, which obviously is the Louvre. So Francophonia highlights the uneasy but working relationship between the then Louvre director and the Nazi officer responsible for priceless treasures. And they may have represented enemy nations, but they became collaborators, the driving force behind the preservation of antiquities. In revealing the rise and rise of the Louvre, the documentary, well, I found it often lyrical and poetic, and it explores the relationship between art and power. And as a sidebar, the film also touches on the importance of Russia's Hermitage Museum and how the war decimated it. So for the filmmaker Alexander Zukharov, Francophonia is a requiem for what has perished a hymn to human courage and spirit and to what unites mankind. And he didn't take a scientific approach. He looked at the preservation of culture and art against the weight of circumstances that would most likely tear that apart. And as such, he freely admits the picture's more collage than chronicle and often follows the meanderings of changing thought processes. I readily acknowledge, Chris, that drove me absolutely potty. Really, it did. <laughs> In large part, it appeared to be formulated almost from random ideas thrown together by a man who clearly cares deeply about safeguarding the past. I get that, and I think that's full of merit. In this movie, an author corresponds with his friend aboard a ship carrying an important collection of museum art. The ship is battling a fierce storm and its perilous fate seems unavoidable. All the containers will be lost at sea. Now, the confrontation, the dialogue between the friend at sea and the author at home is really a storyline of thought, a stream of consciousness, according to Sukharov. See what I mean? Mm. An obtuse documentary seriously did my head in on countless occasions. And I actually wanted to walk away. I wanted to walk out. I kept wanting the director to focus on one or another theme in a logical rather than a scattergun fashion. I, I did stick with it because I'm that kind of guy, 
and I needed to review it. So <laughs> I, I figured that I couldn't do it justice otherwise. But I can attest to the fact that the focus I was looking for was not forthcoming. Now, look, I reckon... Uh, I'm going to just jump in here for a minute. Please. I reckon at some stage there's got to be a movie sufficiently bad for you to walk out and be done with it after halfway, come and review it and say, yeah, I watched the first half of it and that was enough. All right, well, we'll see whether we get to that I, I reckon at some stage... And look, I mean, you know, you broke new ground with some zeros earlier this year. So yeah. you know, that's the next barrier for you as a movie reviewer. In, in, and I know you've been doing this for decades, but you're still developing, you know? You're still developing, you. you're still growing your game. Well, I've got to, I've got to secretly confess something at this point then. Yeah. There was, a, <laughs> there, there was a movie I saw in the last month, the name of which escapes me, and I will search for it. And you, if you keep tuning in, I will mention it, that I did not last. And I decided that I, I mean, I just, I didn't want, I just found it so obtuse. It's going to be such a small release that I don't, I actually think it may have been on one screen in Australia. And I figured that nobody would notice its passing. And I hadn't mentioned it until this point. There you go. Okay. And I, last, I, I, I can't wait for it. us to talk about that in some more detail then. <laughs> well, the the woman who put it together, it was about a dog, right, and about the relationship between this woman and a dog that she loved. And quite frankly, she's she's an artist, so it was sort of a an artistic representation and there were beautiful shots of, of clouds and nice vistas and stuff like that. Her voice drove me crazy and I just figured that it was kind of like a long art installation and I, I, I could I had better things to do with my time. That's there you go, that's my, my quick review of a movie that shall remain nameless until <laughs> I can remember its name. Okay. Let's get back on with, with Francophonia and wrap this up. Yep, let's do that. Look, uh Sukarov clearly paints himself as a man who believes in ghosts. Characters that when alive helped formulate what's still here today. So I don't doubt the purity of his motive, but I do question the execution of what I ultimately... I regard it as a rambling historical rhetoric mixed with pie-in-the-sky fantasy. There you go. Across those two. Rhetoric, fantasy. It's a film only for very, very eclectic tastes, Francophonia, if that. It, look, it's arguably brave but batty, Am I allowed to say that? You can say whatever I mean, you like. It's you know, you're, you're the reviewer. Yeah, I, I don't want to be sued. I I just did. I, I think found... it's pretty hard for a movie to sue you. Just a hunch. Yeah, not a movie, but uh, the director. I think. No, see, you, so if you said I think the director is a bit batty, then you'd have problems. But to say the movie, nah, no, nah, I think you're right. It just, it just sort of, it, uh, it tried hard. I mean, to see a representation of Napoleon stretched out on the floor. Yeah, I, I, what, what is, what is he doing? What is he doing? Anyway, it is called Francophonia. If you want to sort of see something a little bit different, uh, three out of ten. Okay, there you go. Something a little bit different, and certainly not Alex's cup of tea. Francophonia on Movies First. You've been listening to Movies First with Alex First and Chris Coleman. Subscribe to the full podcast at Audioboom, Stitcher and iTunes or your favourite podcast distributor. This has been another quality podcast production from Bytes.com. 
Welcome to Mafia, a new podcast telling stories of America's criminal underworld. Gotti assumed the position of head of the Gambino family. And using the name Donnie Brasco, I was able to infiltrate the uh, Bonanno uh, crime family in New York City. Bugsy Siegel is an American mob legend. One man changed the whole texture and landscape of crime in America. Listen to Mafia every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your favorite shows.